Welcome to our North Church podcast. We hope this message encourages you. For further information about our church, please visit churchnorth.com or check out our social media at Church North. Today's speaker is Pastor Dave Niblock. Matthew 25, verse 14. This is Jesus speaking. He says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, another version calls them talents, to another two bags and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold also gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. For you've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came and said, Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. For you've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came and said, Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you've not yet sown and gathering where you've not yet scattered seed. So I was afraid and I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, See, you wicked, lazy servant, you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have at least put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. When someone close to us dies, it often causes us to think about life and death, obviously. You don't often think, spend a lot of time thinking about death until somebody dies and then it raises questions in you as to where have they gone, what are they doing now, what happens when I die and that can cause a whole lot of questions, emotions, anxiety, joy. We sang this morning, when my time shall come, what joy shall fill my heart. But yet for others, that time does not feel so joyful. And so we like to talk about life, but we don't always like to talk about death. But sometimes death is thrust upon us. And so on Thursday, when many of us receive the news via, I don't know, the TV, the radio, an alert on your phone, or maybe just through a message from a friend that Queen Elizabeth II had died, there was shock around the world. Let's be honest, we all expected it. She was an elderly lady, 96, who was, you know, I think you'd say in Yorkshire, she had a good innings. (laughs) That's a good innings, 96 years. But it still shocked the world because we expected it, but yet couldn't imagine it. For she has been the queen of this nation for 70 years, obviously just celebrating the Jubilee, So for the vast majority of us, 
She is the only reigning monarch we have ever known. Is there anyone in the room has ever who knew the monarch before her? Just raise your hand or was alive when he when the king was reigning? Wow, we have one. Wow. But for most of us, Queen Elizabeth II is all we have known. She is the boss. <laughs> it's like, wow, God saved the queen. We all know God saved the queen. She's on every postage stamp. She's on every coin. She's everywhere. And for that to be taken away caused shockwaves around the world and still is now and will do probably for another week or so until her funeral a week on Monday. I believe she was greeted by God on Thursday when she passed away with the biblical words when she was promoted to heaven. I believe she was greeted with those words that the master says to the servant here, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. I, like many of you, (laughs) admired her strong faith. She would publicly talk about her faith. I remember me and uh, my family, my parents who were here today, actually, every Christmas, my dad would leave the dinner table no matter where he was during the meal (laughs) and would go and watch the Queen's speech because he always loved to talk, hear her talking about her faith in Christ. And when it was often easier not to talk about her faith, she continued to publicly not choose the easy option, but continually talk about her faith in Christ. In fact, one of her quotes was this, I know how much I rely on my faith to guide me through the good times and the bad. Each day is a new beginning. I know that the only way to live my life is to try to do what is right, to take the long view, to give my best in all that the day brings and to put my trust in God. I draw strength from the message of hope in the Christian gospel. What an amazing quote that she said. She clearly had a strong faith. In fact, she has reportedly said to a priest once that she was looking forward to the day and she actually wanted Christ to return in her lifetime so that she could cast her crown upon him. (laughs) What a beautiful line that is. She was actually wanting him to return in her lifetime. Unfortunately, Christ hasn't done that. So she could cast her crown upon him. She had a relationship and would meet regularly with Billy Graham. And I was reading yesterday about the many meetings that they had. So I think without a doubt, she had a personal faith in Jesus Christ. And I like the fact that in a time of, in a society where everything is often watered down, and in time when often it's easy just to give ground and just to become a little bit more mainstream and a little bit more maybe a liberal in terms of our faith or our belief for people in position of authority. I love the fact that she continued to defend the faith. She didn't choose the easy option. She didn't simply give in to the majority, but she held her conviction. She held her belief. And I encourage you, church, to defend your faith. Don't choose the easy option. When you're at school, when you're at work, or when you're in a place of pressure. Sometimes it's easy or easier to choose the option which will cause 
less discomfort, but she often faced the opposition of people, what they thought about her, but she held her conviction, she held her belief. You know, when it comes to leadership, and when it comes to the Queen's leadership, a lot is often said about leadership these days. There's books galore, courses galore, there's models, there's methods, there's books, there's training courses. We need to do this, we need to do that, we need to follow what Amazon does, we need to follow what Apple do, we need to all the all aspects, I'm sure, which have good traits to it, but there is nothing quite like biblical leadership. And I believe she rooted much of her leadership in biblical leadership. <laughs> and I think what biblical leadership is this to be good, to be faithful. And to be a servant. That is what biblical leadership is. To be good, to be faithful, and to be a servant. And so, whether this is the queen or whether I'm speaking to you today, and don't worry, the message isn't all about the queen. The message is what I believe God said to her and then how that affects us and inspires us today. But what does it mean to be good and faithful and to be a servant? I think it's like this. And if you don't take anything away from this message, this is the three things I really want you to take away. Number one, do it right. Number two, do it often. (laughs) Number three, do it for others. Be good, do it right. Be faithful, do it often. And be a servant, do it for others. That is what the queen did. And that is why I believe she and we, when we have our final days... If we are like the servants who are entrusted with great things from the master and do things with what God has asked of us to do, we too can be greeted with that same phrase, well done, good, do it right and faithful, do it often and servant, do it for others. That's how you build leadership over decades That's how you build legacy. There are lots of people who can be a good leader for a week, a month, a year. There are probably some people who can be good leaders for five years, 10 years. But can you be a good leader for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, 70 years? You can if you do it right, do it often, and do it for others. You see, legacy is impact. Legacy is something that is left on earth. When you die. And without doubt, no matter what your view is on the Queen, I don't think any of us can doubt the fact that she has definitely left a legacy. The Queen surely has left something on earth. And so the question is this, how do you leave legacy? Because I think all of us are called to leave something of us on earth and to leave some form of legacy. I think if you want to leave legacy, one of the questions you have to ask yourself is this, what will you do with the life that God has given you? What will you do with the life that God has given you? Note here that the master in Matthew 25, the master who really is it's the parable, but the master really represents God, the father. The master entrusts, the Bible says, which is an interesting, important word. The master entrusts his wealth to them. Now, his wealth is extreme wealth 
Because five talents, two talents, even one talent in modern days is millions of pounds. We call them, they're called bags of gold here, okay? And so when they have talents here in gold, we're talking vast amounts of gold, okay? We're not talking here's 20 quid and here's 50 quid and here's a tenner. No, we're talking the modern day, you know, here's, here's, here's 50 million quid and here's 20 million quid and here's 10 million quid. Go and do something with it. Entrusts extreme value to them. And what I love about the master is that he trusts us. He gives us things because he trusts us to do something with it. And God gives something of him to us. Notice who owns the wealth. The master owns the wealth. And so the master gives something of him to us, and then he basically says, go and do something with it. And so the man, one man with five bags, we read, doubles his output and gains five more. The other man has two bags, doubles his output and gains two more. The man with one bag dugs a hole, digs a hole, buries his bag in the ground and gains no more. Notice he's still got the one bag, but he hasn't reproduced or he hasn't added to what was already given to him and I want to encourage every single one of you today because every single one of you has been given gifts has been given talents has been given the equivalent of bags of gold into your own life you might look at your life and go I don't have a bag of gold I don't have that level of finance and this is not about a finance issue this isn't a money issue This is things that God has deposited in you, abilities and personalities and giftings and ways of thinking and purpose and calling. God has put that within you and God has given that to you. And I encourage you, don't be like the third servant. Don't go and bury what God has given you. Go and put it to work. Go and put it to work. And go and put it to work that it makes a benefit for others, not simply yourself. I find it amazing when there are so many people and you sometimes meet some people who are incredibly gifted, incredibly talented. And it's almost like they hold it back. They don't do anything back with it. And the Bible says the third servant, he was afraid. He was scared. And so he hid it and he buried it. And some of you are probably fearful. Some of you know you can do something. Some of you know you can lead. Some of you know you can sing. Some of you know you can act. Some of you know you can administrate. Some of you know you can run that business. Some of you know you could take that leap of faith. Some of you know you can make that. Some of you know what you can do, but yet there is a level of fear and anxiety. And so we end up burying what God has often put in us for purpose. I think what the queen did very well was she simply used what God gave her to the best of her ability and maximized it all. Was she a businesswoman? Was she a philosopher? Was she a theologian? Was she an academic? She might not have been any of those things, but what she did have, she gave and used it all. And so let me tell you a few things about how I think we can still 
be welcomed like the queen is to be a well done and good and faithful servant based on this <coughs> parable of the talents. First thing is this, the parable of the talents teaches us that God always gives us everything we need to do everything that he has called us to do. God always gives us everything we need to do what he has called us to do. You can feel sorry for the servant who only received one talent because you can think, well, that's not fair. (laughs) One got five, one got two, and the other one got one. Like that, I feel sorry for the one who got one. But actually, the one who had one still had been given more than enough to meet the master's expectations. And sometimes what we do is we passively preserve what we have rather than go and generate a return on what we have. That is why I think where education is so important. I encourage everyone to, to do their best with their education and to maximise their education. Why? Because you have been given a brain and you have been given the ability to think and you've been given the ability to process and you've been given the ability to imagine and to work out and to calculate. And so squeeze everything you can out of that because I tell you what, the investment of the brain that God has put in you, the reward will be way greater if you invest in that gift. But if you choose to bury that gift and just do the bare minimum, well, as long as I get through and as long as I'll... No, there's so much more for you on the other side if you can act upon what God has given you. You, Many of you know I love football and those of you will be aware of footballers in the past who had tremendous ability, amazing ability, but yet would just take it to the point and would just bury the rest of it in their own things of what they wanted to do or their own and never fully maximised the potential, the gifting that they had. If he's called you to it, I believe God will gift you for it. If you ever question your calling, always attach it to your gifting. Some people sometimes come to me and go, I'm I'm not sure what God has called me for. Like, I'm really stressed out. I'm not sure what he's called me to do. And my normal first question is, well, what has he gifted you with? Well, he's gifted. I'm really compassionate with people and I love helping people and I'm really caring and I'm pretty good at science and biology and etc. Have you ever thought about being in like a doctor? Oh, no. Because sometimes I think you think your calling needs to be, well, you know, unless it's spiritual or unless it's prophesied over me or unless I get a letter through from heaven itself telling me the postcode in, in Zimbabwe where I need to live and follow through with this, I'm like, that's not the calling. No, the calling of God is very normal and happens day by day and is outworked day by day by you simply taking a step every day to live out your life and to maximize what you can do with what the giftings God has called you to and guess what your calling and your gifting collide what you are called to do what you are gifted and passionate about and before you know it ah, I feel like I'm in a good space Some of you today are still probably in areas of employment that you're not happy with you're not satisfied you don't enjoy And I understand that. It's easy for me or for others who are in jobs that we love to go, oh yeah, just connect your calling and your gifting and everything will be fine. (laughs) Well, some of you, well, I work in a bank and I'm fed up of working in a bank. 
What I really want to be is a Hollywood actress. Well, then you have to look. <laughs> Do your, does your gifting match up with your calling from God? Or are you simply giving in more into the desires of what you'd like to do rather than maybe what you're called to do? And I think what you're called to do and the desires of what you want to do also can match. But sometimes we have fairy tales of things that would love to be an astronaut. I always wanted to be a professional footballer. I'm just turned 40. I'm still thinking there's a chance. <laughs> but I do see some teams are struggling to accept, give contracts to players over 35. But I'm just holding out. <laughs> and you could go, well, that, that's, an, that's, an, that's an unfulfilled dream. Yeah, probably that's what it is. And I'll probably go to heaven discouraged and despondent and depressed as a result of it. No, I won't. Because I realized I had to be real with, my, real with myself and honest with myself. Sure, I could play to a certain level, but I wasn't given the ability. I wasn't given the talents or the bags of gold to take me where I needed to go with that. But the bags of gold that God did give me were my calling and my gifting that I believe I'm doing now. And that's when you feel like you begin to get in your sweet spot. But also, it's not simply about your career. It's not simply about your nine to five. You can work in a nine to five job that you kind of find okay. And it I don't, doesn't buzz me. I don't like wake up every morning and go, yes, let's go to the office. Woo! Like some of you look forward to Friday 4.30. Some of you look forward to your holiday. And I understand that. And so let's not over-spiritualize that every Monday to Friday you're in the calling of God because you're behind a desktop. But, you know, no, sometimes it's just work. And sometimes you just need to do work. And the calling of God in your life is greater than your 9 to 5. The calling of God also extends into your home, <laughs> extends into your community, extends into your church extends into the impact that you make and so sometimes sure it clashes with your nine till five other times it doesn't clash with your nine till five don't be so sometimes boxed in thinking I have to do what God has called me to do because what God has called you to do is to follow him to love him to serve him and to serve others and sometimes there are times in life sometimes short times medium times sometimes long times when that involves also doing jobs that simply pay the bills get things done and enable me to fulfill other things in life that I believe God has called me to do. Some of you have the brain the size of a small country. <laughs> Go and use it. Don't, if you've got the brain the size of a small country, don't simply s- submit your brain to Sudoku or to some crossword in the telegraph. Go and use your brain. Put it to work. Some of you have creativity greater than Leonardo da Vinci. (laughs) Go and use it. It might not simply be in your next job. It might be out of hours. It might be extra quick curricular. It might be at weekends. It might be at evenings. It might be who knows where and when. You don't need to be legalistic with it. But you are gifted for purpose. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. Look what it says in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. I love this verse says, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do.
Second thing this parable tells us is the parable of the talents teaches us that we are not all equally gifted. Unfortunately, we are not all equally gifted. Look what it says in verse 15. To one he gave five, to another two, and to another one, each according to his, everybody say it, each according to his ability. Ability. The queen had a lot more resource than I do. <laughs> she had a lot more bags of gold. <laughs> Not just metaphorically speaking. <laughs> than I do. But we have to understand that we are not all equally gifted. Some of you would be far better than me at certain things. Maybe few things. <laughs> and I may be better than you and have a good, an ability at things that you don't have. Everyone has different ability. That is how we've been created on purpose. And the master understood that the one talent servant wasn't capable of producing five, but was still capable of producing one. And that's why comparison is pointless. Because if you are comparing yourself against a five talent person, when you're a two talent person, you're always going to be disappointed why they are always making five bags and you're only making two bags. Because you're you're comparing yourself in a different role. There's no point you're comparing the salary of someone who's a, I don't know, a chief exec of a major company or versus, you know, someone else because the reality is the abilities are different and as a result, the bags of gold are different. And so I can't compare about that. And it doesn't devalue me. It's just the fact that each of us have different abilities. Which is why comparison is totally pointless. Even comparison in the church is totally pointless. Because I might be a one bag of gold leader and I can create hopefully another bag of gold as a leader in a church. Or I might be a two bag or I might be a five bag. We might be a five bag gold, we might be a ten. Who knows what we are? But we simply do what the best with what God has given to us. Rather than looking to the left or looking to the right and go, why have they got more bags of gold? It is because they have different abilities. Now that sounds unfair, but here's the thing. It takes just as much work for the five talent guy to produce five more bags as it does for the two talent guy to produce two more. It's not like the five talent guy is like doing a lot more to get five more. No, it's just that his ability enables him to do it easier. It's like a car. Have you ever been at the lights with a car and you're and you're like, and there's a nice sports car next to you and you kind of get ready and you're like really putting in and the car just goes. Doesn't even make a noise. It's like an electric Tesla. It goes. As your car is smutting out smoke, causing all the climate problems in the world. What I'm I'm trying to say is the abilities that we have, it still requires effort on both parts 
It's just that the effort sometimes looks different based on the abilities that have been given. But it still produces and still requires effort. Here's the thing. The master isn't measuring success of ability. The master is measuring the success of the effort, the success of the stewardship, and the success of the faith. The master doesn't say, well, your ability is awesome and because your ability is so great, I'm going to raise you up. No, the five talent guy and the two talent guy both get the same welcome. Well done, good and faithful servant. One has produced five, one has produced two. Why? Because the master is celebrating the effort of the five and the two. It still takes effort. Look what it says in Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 to 24. It says this in Colossians coming up here it says whatever you do work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord not for human masters since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a resort as a reward for it is the Lord Christ that you are serving thirdly this as I draw this to a close in the final couple of minutes the parable of the talents teaches us that we work for the master We don't simply work for our own purposes. The servant's money is not their own. The profits are not their own. Servants are stewards. Stewards of what God has called and gifted us for. The queen, what I loved about the queen, what many loved about the queen, she had a sense of duty to steward what had been commanded from her at the age of 25 when she had no choice. She didn't choose to be born into that family. She didn't choose to become queen at that age. It was thrust upon her and immediately there was a sense of stewardship, a sense of duty that I am working for the master. I'm not simply working for my own purposes. And when you understand that the talent is not yours... And neither is the interest from it. It's a cool thing. It frees you up in life. When you realize that my giftings and my abilities and everything God has placed in me belongs to God. And all the output and all the success and all the rewards and all the benefits and all the riches and all the inheritance. Guess what? It all belongs to God. He gave it to me. I give it back to him. I'm simply a steward of what God has placed me on earth for because I am a servant on earth. And I encourage you to get to the point in your life where you realise you're not simply working for your own purpose, for your own benefit, for your own climbing the next ladder, for your own next opportunity, for your next bigger thing. But no, I'm working for the master. And how he blesses me, he blesses me. But whatever blessing I get, guess what? The blessing belongs to him anyway. And fourth and final point. The parable of the talent shows us that we will be held accountable. (laughs) Wish it didn't, but the Bible is clear. The master says to the servants, well done, good and faithful servant to you. Well done, good and faithful servant to you. But unfortunately, that's not right for the first third one who has buried and hidden what God had given to them. Hear me when I say this, our salvation 
is not based on our, on our ability to reproduce the talents. Our salvation comes from grace and faith alone. It is not based on works. And so even if you keep working, oh, but God, I'm doing so much for you. I'm, I'm reproducing this. You gave me two bags. I've gained two more. I gained five. No, you know what? You are saved because of what Christ did on a cross. It is not salvation through works. It is salvation through grace. And so that is on him. But the good and faithful is on us. The salvation is on him, but the good and faithful is on us. And that is why he then goes to say, don't be surprised if you get put in charge of more because you have been good and because you have been faithful. Don't be surprised if more comes your way. We will be held accountable. Our our role is to do it right. It is to do it often. And it's to do it for others. I close with this in Psalm 78 verse 72. Probably my favourite verse in the Bible. Talking about King David. Talks about King David who became the king of Israel. The Bible says David shepherded Israel with integrity of heart. With skillful hands. He led Israel. I love that verse more than many verses in the Bible. And the reason I love it. Is it because it shows it needed two things to lead Israel at that time? It needed integrity of heart and it needed skillful hands. It wasn't just the hands and it wasn't just the heart, it was the heart and the hands. And I've shared this before with us as a church that our leadership is best when it is led with heart and it is led with hands. I think, and I honor the Queen today. Because I think Queen Elizabeth shepherded the United Kingdom with integrity of heart, with skillful hands, she led us. And when the integrity of the heart works with skillful hands, I believe that's when you begin to please the master. That is when Israel began to flourish. That is when your home, your business, your church, your community begins to flourish. When you can combine integrity of heart with skillful hands. Don't be surprised if you begin to see things begin to rise up. If you can do it right, do it often, do it for others. Do it right, do it often, do it for others. For on that day, when my strength is failing, the end draws near. And my time has come. My prayer is that the Lord will welcome me and will welcome you with well done, good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's stand to our feet.